The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Monday edition, June the 11th. Happy anniversary, Billy Bats. Excellent movie, Goodfellas. Today was the day that Billy Bats was having his celebration after he got out of prison. And he decided to break Tommy's balls about his shine box. And Tommy broke more than Billy Bats' balls in response. Is it Billy Bats or Billy Bat? Billy Bats. I always wonder if I'm getting it right. It's Billy Bats, not Billy Bat. Billy Bats. And actually... It's about that same date. The party started on the 11th. The real Billy Bats died on June the 12th of 1970, so really not a happy anniversary for Billy Bats. Goodfellas is a movie that we watch every year when we have the PFT Summit here in West Virginia. We have a little little whiskey, a little steak, a little wine, a little whatever, and at some point we end up watching Goodfellas. It's one of those movies that is great for like an hour and a half, and then it just kind of gets a little weird, but you still ride it out because you've invested that much at that point. And it's still good. It just gets weird. It like takes a turn. I can't really explain it. I'd like to remember what part it happens. This time I watch it, I need to remember consciously the point where it feels like it takes a right turn and it gets a little bit weird. Maybe after he gets out of prison or when he goes to prison. I don't know. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's a slow time. If if that's my open, the Billy Bats 48-year anniversary of when he met his demise thanks to Tommy, who later met his demise thanks to Billy Bats because Billy Bats was a made guy. And actually, the real Tommy, they never found his body when they finally whacked him. Just gone. Just gone. I think that's what happened with a lot of the mobsters. Just gone. Don't have to worry about open casket, closed casket, no casket, just gone. Gone and never returned like Jimmy Hoffa. All right, some football things to talk about. Questions of whether or not Eli Manning's talent has been wasted. The guy's got two Super Bowl rings. Now, Sean O'Hara and Justin Tuck, a pair of his teammates, suggested that his prime years were wasted. Eli Manning said, I don't look at it that way. I appreciate everything the Giants have done. I'm excited about being there this year and taking advantage of this year. O'Hara and Tucker teammates, and I won championships with both of them, so I think those guys are always loyal, but that's not the way I look at it. I still think I have some peak years left so we can make it right. It'd be amazing if Eli gets a late career Super Bowl win or two. I think he's already a Hall of Famer. If he gets a third one, there's no way he's not a Hall of Famer. Right now he's tied with his brother Peyton with two. I'm sure he'd like to break that tie. like to have that hanging over Peyton. For basically the rest of their lives. Unless Peyton counts the Super Bowls he wins as an executive. Because I feel like that's just a matter of time. Until that happens. Zach Martin got his long-term contract. I haven't seen the numbers. I'm going to multitask while we do this. 
just the general highest paid, right? Oh, he's the highest paid. Well, highest paid under what standard? Because Andrew Norwell hit the market and truly became highest paid because it was a new deal from scratch. With Martin, he was already due to make $9.3 million this year. So highest paid on new money average? Maybe so. We'll see. Trying to get those numbers. But six-year extension, that puts him under contract for seven years. And I remember when they signed Tyron Smith, there was a sense that maybe it was an extremely team-friendly deal. So the devil will be in the details on the Zach Martin contract, as he always is. And we'll see exactly what this deal is worth and what the numbers really are. Not a hit, not a bad deal, right? He's not going to need a bake sale. But when you have few opportunities to get paid as an NFL player, you got to make them count. And you lock in for six years. By the time we get to year four, five, six of the extension, which means year five, six, seven, chances are he's going to be woefully underpaid in comparison to where the market is because the salary cap's most likely going to keep going up. Of course, what happens with the salary cap long-term depends on what happens with the next CBA. And one of the topics that needs to be addressed when it comes to the next CBA, this issue of what can and can't be said when a player has a positive test result. Because this Julian Edelman situation, I don't know what the hell's going on. So he tests positive for an unrecognizable substance that they are still trying to determine what it is. Well, if it's ultimately not a PED, we should have never known that he tested positive for anything. And that's what really bothers me about this. Now, I'll admit that there was a point in the life cycle of PFT where we would report on positive results before the appeal was final. And it's not a violation of the PED policy or the substance abuse policy for reporters to report. However, if you're employed by the NFL as a reporter and you make the report, you're technically violating the confidentiality provision. The NFL has never taken that position. The NFL has never enforced that policy against anyone. It's a $500,000 fine, and it's just there. And they never do anything about it. And I asked both the NFL and the NFLPA if they're going to do anything about Edelman's situation. And when I last checked, they have not responded. Multitasking, multitasking, no response from either the NFLPA or the NFL. But I got a problem with this because we shouldn't know that Edelman tested positive. I mean, you know my crazy conspiracy theory from last week. That the Patriots leaked it to Field Yates and Adam Schefter in order to generate some public pressure to get Tom Brady to participate in the voluntary workouts. Because with the knowledge that Edelman is quite possibly going to miss the first four weeks of the season, Brady needs to be there to get up to speed with, comfortable with, properly ensconced with the other receivers who will be actually catching the passes for the first four weeks. And I know reporters don't like it when, I don't know, you know, isn't it weird? Like there's this weird taboo. Oh, other reporters aren't allowed to talk about who reporter sources may be. Well, why not? Why, why, Why not? What's wrong with that? What's the problem there? Why is it taboo? Oh, they may do it to you? Well, they do it to me anyway. I don't care. People speculate on my sources all the time. I mean, I don't get mad about it. I understand it goes with the gig. 
Just because somebody's going to speculate about your source doesn't mean that you're giving up your source. Hey, if you want to speculate about who my source is on a story, fine. If you're in the business, it's not all that hard to figure out who the people are who are talking. But I just think based upon the fact that it was leaked to Yates and Schefter, it supports my conspiracy theory that someone from the Patriots, whose initials are B and B, wanted it to get out. Things don't leak about the Patriots unless they want them to get out. I think they wanted it to get out, and they were hoping that it would cause Tom Brady to show up for the rest of the OTAs. But I also think that the bargain that Tom Brady made with his wife, Giselle Bunchen, and I don't know this. This is speculation. We've been talking so much about what Tom Brady may be pissed about. How about Tom Brady just made a deal with his wife? Okay, play this year, but no more of these OTA things that you don't get paid for that are voluntary. If they're voluntary, volunteer not to go. Volunteer to be with your family. And he made that deal to do it. That may be the most reasonable explanation. I mean, we love good drama and we like to get to the bottom of things and we assume there's a problem and maybe there is. But I think the explanation is as simple as it can be. Tom Brady may have just done a deal with his wife that he's not going to do OTAs. And... Julian Edelman, healthy or not, or not healthy or not, but that's another issue, but suspended or not, it doesn't matter. So I will keep you updated on whether or not the NFL or the NFLPA is going to do anything about it. My guess is they won't. Khalil Mack skipping the Raiders mandatory minicamp. Haven't written this yet. I will, though. The... Max situation, I don't think it's just skipping minicamp and then he'll show up at some point later. I think that this is the beginning of a very carefully constructed strategy for how to get Mac what he wants, what he needs, what he deserves. And I think he wants a long-term deal. Now, he could do the franchise tag dance, which would consist of finishing his rookie contract in 2018, tag in 2019, tag in 2020, open market in 2021, because that's the point where the Raiders would have to pay him quarterback money to keep him around for another year, at a minimum. Quarterback money or a 44% raise over what his tag number will be in 2020. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he's already 27, so he's pushing 30 by the time that happens. For a quarterback, it's nothing. For a defensive lineman, it's everything. And to continue to carry the injury risk with no long-term security or certainty, I don't think it's acceptable to him. The problem is, what can you really do? How do you get the Raiders to pay you? How do you get the Raiders to do anything? You're going to miss game checks this year? $13.846 million? Let's see what that works out to. 13.846 divided by 17, because remember... It's paid out in 17 installments. $814,470 per game. You're going to take fines at the amount of 40000 per day? We'll see what happens. But I have a feeling this isn't done. The Rob Gronkowski trade chatter from last week, and we hadn't written anything about the specific report. And look, you can find the guy who's reporting it. All indications I have is it's a load of crap that there was a trade offer on the table, one from the 49ers and one from the Titans, and Bill Belichick was going to do it, but then decided not to because, number one, Tom Brady threatened to retire. Number two, Robert Kraft intervened and said, thou shalt not trade Rob Gronkowski. I just do not buy it. 
Everything I've heard, and I've talked to multiple sources about this, it's just not true. Whether it happened on Friday, whether it happened throughout the offseason, it's just not true. And who's going to put an offer on the table for Gronk without knowing, number one, that Gronk wants to play, and number two, that Gronk is happy with his contract, especially with a new team? It's one thing to pay Gronk $8 million this year as a member of the Patriots. You ship him off to another team where maybe the prospect of making it to a Super Bowl of maintaining a high profile has reduced, you think he's just going to show up and say, yeah, just pay me what I was supposed to make with the Patriots. He may want even more than whatever he wants from the Patriots this year, and he definitely deserves more. You trade him to a California team, 13.3% local income tax, that's going to be a factor. Lots of factors in this one. Lots of factors that I think would have to be considered before you would trade Rob Gronkowski. And I don't believe any of those discussions with Gronkowski occurred at any point in an effort to figure out what he would want from another team. I saw that our buddy Ira Kaufman of JoeBucksFan.com reported today some quotes from Ryan Fitzpatrick, former Bills quarterback. He spent a year with Terrell Owens in Buffalo. And at a time when the narrative is Terrell Owens is a horrible teammate and teams couldn't wait to get rid of him, what does Fitzpatrick say? I consider T.O. a great teammate. Fitzpatrick also thinks that Owens is eventually going to show up in Canton. I don't. And I found, and I'd forgotten about this, but I found the back and forth that Owens had February of 2017 with Mike Francesa, then and now of WFAN in New York. And Francesa was trying to find out whether or not Owens would eventually show up for enshrinement if he got in. He'd already been snubbed twice. Said Owens, God has something bigger in store, bigger and better than the Hall of Fame. If I get in, great. If I don't, okay. The first two years, okay, cool. It would have been an honor. But after this year, when they keep moving the sticks in order for me to not get in, I've lost respect for the process. Now, he was only passed over twice before he got in. So maybe he meant if he didn't get in one more time. Either way, Francesa then said, Harry Carson, the former Giants linebacker, got upset and got to a point where he said, I don't care if they vote me in, now I'm not going. When he got in, he went. You'll do the same thing. When they vote you in, you'll go because you'll be happy that you got in and you will get in. Said Owens, I'm not Harry Carson. And I'm sure if you've done your research, everybody will tell you. And you just alluded to it earlier, I'm a different guy. Yeah, but you'll go when you get in, Francesa said, you will. You'll be happy. I'm a different guy, Owens said. I'm a special guy. So what are you saying now, Francesa said. You're saying now you wouldn't go if you get in now? I'm a committed guy, Owens replied. When I put my mind to something, I succeed. So what are you saying, Francesa said. I'm saying if I get in, I get in. If I don't, it's not a big deal. But if you do get in, you'll go, right? You'll still acknowledge it and accept it, right? Don't interpret anything, Owens said. I've already given you my answer. Genius from Owens. I think Owens knew damn well that he wasn't going to go, but he was smart enough not to say it because if he says he's not going to go, guys like Gary Myers and Ira Kaufman would have led a charge against letting him in because if you get in, you must happily go and revel in everything about being inducted into the Hall of Fame because if you don't want that, there's something wrong with you. If you don't want that, you're not worthy of being in the Hall of Fame, even though it's not one of the factors. Willingness to show up for the Hall of Fame, not included in the various factors to be considered. I have a feeling this one is going to continue to hang around. And frankly, I'm actually more interested 
in the Hall of Fame ceremony this year than I have been in a long time, thanks to Terrell Owens. They should be sending him a fruit basket for this or something because we're talking a lot more about the Hall of Fame and its ceremony than we usually do, and it's still like two months away. So thanks, Terrell Owens, for giving us a little something else to pay attention to as it relates to the Hall of Fame. And who knows, maybe you will show up. I'm betting the under on that one. If they're taking action in Delaware on that one, I'm taking the under. All right, we know that Earl Thomas won't be at mandatory minicamp. We know that Khalil Mack won't be at mandatory minicamp. OBJ plans to attend, according to Josina Anderson of ESPN. No indication whether or not he'll participate. Hasn't even been cleared to practice. Julio Jones, I think he'll be there. We haven't gotten a final answer on whether he will or not. That kind of gets us up to speed on everything that's going on. Melvin Gordon to be used more as a receiver. More like LaDainian Thompson. Here's the thing as it relates to Melvin Gordon. He's never averaged more than 3.9 yards per carry for any season of his career. His running skills are a long way away from LaDainian Tomlinson. But if he can augment it with great pass catching, especially since they don't have Hunter Henry, the tight end this year, can't hurt. Can't hurt. All right, let's answer some questions. I, I don't have a whole lot of time today. I have to go get on puppy duty. I have to watch the puppy. And let me tell you this. The puppy is great. The puppy is excellent. I was very, I don't know that I want to say ambivalent because I wanted the puppy. I just was unsure what it was going to be like having a dog in the house because, you know, the puppy has to go outside or the puppy goes inside and the puppy has gone inside multiple times over the past several days. Not number two yet, just number one. And she's gotten away from going on the rug. She's going on the tile floor, which is a lot easier to clean up. But for the most part, I got a sense of when it's time to take her out. The minute she starts snuffling around, get her outside. Because, I mean, it's squat, drop, and roll, and it's done before you know it. And I don't think the puppy's got a very big bladder. Because it's not, it's not all that much. Which means she goes a lot. And she loves to drink water. It was raining here the past few days. She goes outside, and we got rocks outside on the patio. And she's lapping the water off the rocks. It's like, well, I guess we got to give her more water. She had her first trip to the vet today. I wasn't able to make it. Apparently, all things are good. So the puppy, full steam ahead. The puppy, cute enough to get away with a lot of stuff. I think she's going to get away with plenty of stuff. But for a guy that really wasn't sure how this was going to go, it's been really good so far. Thanks for asking. Not that you asked. Maybe I need to have her in the room here one time for the podcast, see if she makes any noise. We're doing crate training, which means we put her in this crate that we have, this big oversized crate. But it's not too big. If it's too big, they'll find a, a, a pee or a poop corner in the crate. It's got to be small enough that they are going to be confronted with coexisting with their pee and their poop. But she's real good about that. Happy dog. Likes to bite, though. Puppies like to bite. We're trying to break her of that. And she's going to be like 80 or 90 pounds. And it's hard to imagine because right now, she was 18.9, and she looks smaller than that, but she's going to be about four times bigger than what she currently is, so I'll continue to put some pictures of Macy from time to time on Instagram and Twitter just because I'm going to be insufferable that way, but I don't care. We got a new family member, and it's brought the family closer together, and the extended family loves her, and we spend a lot of time together talking about the dog and taking the dog outside and running around with the dog, and it's really been a lot of fun. All right, let me answer some questions before we wrap this thing up today. Tomorrow, Paul Allen, and I have to schedule Amy Trask for later in the week. But Paul Allen, you asked for him, you're getting him. Not the Seahawks owner, 
But Paul Allen and I were going to talk for an hour or so, just a conversation, two guys shooting the shit on the phone, and we'll talk about whatever comes up. And we'll, we'll find out how Paul Allen ended up in this business, what he likes about calling horse racing, just whatever comes up. I'm not going to go into it with any agenda. You know, I wasted time on Friday coming up with some things to ask Greg Rosenthal. And once we got started, we just went. Same thing happened with Chris Sims. Same thing happened with who else did we have those long conversations with where it just kind of goes. I can't even remember at this point. Chris Sims, Greg Rosenthal, now, the Oliver Luck and Charlie Ebersol, those were a little more structured because I had specific things I wanted to get to. But the best conversations are just conversations. We just go. We talk. Charles Robinson and I had one like that a few weeks ago. So Paul Allen tomorrow, and we'll try to get some of your other suggestions on the show. My burner account says, with the burner account talk sure to dry up, I need suggestions for a new Twitter handle, hopefully something with the PFT moniker. I'd use my other account, but there has been documented mispronunciation. I think this is Faisal. I think it's Faisal or Faisal. I always get it wrong. So just use both. When in doubt, that's probably not from any of the Dale Carnegie books. When in doubt about how to pronounce someone's name, use both. PFTPM Posse, how long before Jerry and the Cowboys are restructuring Zach Martin's contract to free up cap space now while pushing higher dollars into future years? Over-unders after next season, not this one, assuming they follow the usual low-dollar years followed by a big balloon number. We won't know until we see the details of the contract, and I'm trying to get those now. But once we see the details, we'll know when the triggers are in place for the Cowboys to have to make some sort of a restructuring, some sort of an accommodation, and low cap numbers for now, a lot of can kicking by teams like the Cowboys, pushing cap numbers into future years, and maybe they'll have to do it again in a couple years. Mike likes dirt. Today you said the T.O. feud has WWE vibes. Is there a place for him in the XFL on or off the field? I mean, he claims he can play. I think he believes it's beneath him to play for a team in the XFL or the AAF. Although, remember, there was a time when he played on an indoor football team. It wasn't the Arena League. It was one of the lower levels. And he, like, was only playing in the home games, and then he just kind of stopped. I think that he believes that's beneath him. But I remember trying to track down those games on, like, ESPN Plus or something like that. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they can... Get him involved with the XFL. I think he's got kind of a short attention span. I think he's he's got one thing he wants to do, play football in the NFL. And anything other than that, it's not going to make him happy. Mike Likes Dirt has another question. You say the best franchise quarterbacks are John Wayne in the locker room. Is there a parallel at law firms? Or are the best lawyers just John Wayne in the courtroom? Every organization needs leadership. Now... I don't think John Wayne leadership works in a law firm because you have a lot of type A personalities. And I don't think that, of course, you have a lot of type A personalities in a locker room. But I, I think like you've got this mega alpha who takes over an NFL locker room. I think in a law firm, there's a greater degree of tact and diplomacy. And I think the leadership is more subtle. And maybe it is in the locker room where, or not not in the locker room, but in the courtroom where that, that ultra alpha comes out. Not in the form of a hard charging loudmouth asshole but somebody who has the right touch knows how to talk to a jury 
knows how to communicate with a jury, knows how to get a jury on his or her side right out of the gates, not in opening statements during jury selection, because that's their first impression of you. And they know they're going to be there for a while and they're looking for someone to root for because otherwise it's boring as shit sitting there being talked at. So who do I like? Who do I not like? What do I think of him? What do I think of her? What do I think of the clients? What do I think of this process? What do I think of the judge? But that's when you win the case. And it's not being overly forceful. And part of it, too, is you've got to tailor your approach to your read of the jury. Because a lot of times there's just a couple of people on the jury who are ultimately going to make the decision and the others are going to follow suit. I don't know whether I like talking about that or I don't like talking about it. Part of me misses it and part of me doesn't. And I don't know that I would ever go back and do it again. I think that's all in the past for a reason. And it will be nine years as of July 1 that we flipped the switch on the NBC relationship. I had one lingering case where I represented a doctor who had been fired by a hospital about an hour away from here. That case lasted into the early part of 2010. I was committed to taking that one all the way through to the end. NBC was fine with it. I did what I had to do. I had, you know, days here or there where I had to attend depositions. And But when you only have one case, it's a hell of a lot easier. Maybe that's what I would do at some point. Maybe I would just come out of retirement, get the law license back up to speed. I'd probably have a lot of continuing education that I'd have to do. That wouldn't be very fun. And just be available barnstorm in from time to time probably not probably not i'd probably do it once and i thought okay now i know why i didn't miss any of this pftpm posse what starting positions do you think that the backup quarterback is more important than safety some linebacker dt depending on scheme i think the i think the backup quarterback let's see let's let's go through every position Backup quarterback, in my view, is more important than either safety position. Backup quarterback is more important than interior linebacker. Backup quarterback is more important than interior offensive line. Maybe right tackle. I think the only positions more important than backup quarterback are, this will be an easier way to do it, left tackle, cornerback, pass rusher. I think it's critical to have a good backup quarterback. Am I overstating it? I mean, I think you have stars at other positions, potential stars like tight end, running back, etc. But I think it's harder to find a good backup quarterback than it is to find talented starters at those other positions. I think it's critically important to have a great backup quarterback. The problem is you have to ask yourself, how much money do you want to have to spend on a guy who doesn't play? It's a very expensive insurance policy. And I think most teams look at it as, well, you know what? If our quarterback gets injured, we've got an excuse for sucking. I mean, Mike McCarthy didn't get fired last year because the Packers sucked, because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So when it's time to allocate the money, you'd rather allocate the money to the positions that affect wins and losses, because if, you're ba- if your starting quarterback gets hurt, you're screwed anyway. But if you're the owner of the team, I think you need to be telling the front office, hey, we want to spend money on this backup quarterback position. Because we need to be ready in the event that the starter gets injured. So I think I'm probably overstating it, but that's how I would value it if I owned a team and fans of 32 NFL franchises should all be very happy 
that I don't. Although I'd like to think I would do better than at least four or five owners, and I think we all know who they are. We could make that short list pretty easily. I think I could screw up a team less than owners of the this team, that team, that team, that team. Let me say... I mean, I'm looking at the list here. I don't want to name names. Should I name names who I think I would be a better owner than? Yeah, what the hell? Let's have some fun. I think I would be a better owner than Jimmy Haslam. I think I'd be a better owner than Jim Ursay. I think I'd be a better owner than... I'm tempted to say Amy Adams Strunk, but you know what? She does a pretty good job of staying out of the way, and I think that's smart. So I don't know that I would put myself in that category. I'd be a better owner than Dan Snyder. There's three. I'd be a better owner than... Hmm... Hmm. That may be it. I don't know enough about Tom Benson's widow to come to a conclusion there. I think that's it. I think that's all I'm willing to say. Those are the only names I'm willing to name. There may be a few others that I think I could do a better job then, but it'll get back to them. They get pissed off and I have more problems than I already have. All right. What else do we have? I'm being somewhat sarcastic when I say that. I think that's the whole list. PFTPM Posse, who do you feel would have been more successful on their own, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? I think Belichick would have been more successful without Brady than Brady would have been without Belichick. I really do. And I think we're going to get a chance to find out what Belichick can do without Tom Brady. PFTPM Posse, convince McMahon be waiting until 2021 so he can try and pick off NFL talent in case of a lockout by owners or strike by the players. No, no. First of all, the XFL comes back in 2021. 2021 is when the lockout would start. But here's the problem. If you lock the players out in March, XFL's already been going for a month. I don't know. Are the players going to go play in the XFL for the rest of the season? And then what? And then if they get hurt in the XFL, they get put on the non-football injury list. I don't think that any player is going to go try to play in the XFL if there's a work stoppage in the NFL. I really don't. I don't. Now, there could be an opportunity in 2021 to have a separate XFL season. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. How about this? How about this? If you're the XFL, you already have your league in place. The mechanism is in place. The teams are in place. And if the NFL has a work stoppage in 2021, the XFL says, we're going to have a separate season. We're going to have a special season. If the NFL isn't going to play, we're going to play. And we're going to sign up any NFL players that want to play. And we've got the TV contracts. We've got the stadium arrangements. And we'll set up our season and we'll go. I think the XFL would be much more likely to do that than the Alliance of American Football. Because I feel like the Alliance of American Football wants to have a cozy relationship with the NFL. Mike Florio's burner account. Account name soon to be changed. Outer Banks, North Carolina, or Ocean City, Maryland? Without question, Outer Banks. They're not even close. Not even close. PFTPM Posse, how is the NFL's management council not collusion in itself? It seems that having the most powerful owners together, reviewing each contract, not to mention some of the other councils, would be collusion. Look, that's one of the things that I think Mark Garagos, the lawyer for Colin Kaepernick, concluded early on in his representation of Kaepernick. It's rife with collusion. Anything they do on an organized basis as it relates to players, you could argue, has a collusive element to it. One of the reasons that there aren't more guaranteed contracts, fully guaranteed contracts that go beyond one or two years. The management council doesn't like it. 
And the management council, I think, doesn't like at all the idea of giving players contracts that are tied to a percentage of the salary cap. So I think the management council has a lot of sway. Now, does that mean that they are creating a paper trail that would allow collusion to be proven? No, but it doesn't mean that collusion isn't happening. Brady asks regarding Julian Edelman, how can something be labeled as unknown be used to assess a substance violation issue? Shouldn't it at a minimum be investigated before leveling a suspension? The procedures must have, and I should go back and research the policy from scratch. It's a long convoluted legal document, but if the positive test, and I'll do this maybe tonight, if the positive test is for a substance that can't be evaluated, is that a positive? Who, who has to prove at that point that this substance is something that is banned? We have some unknown substance. Well, okay, how do we figure out what it is? And is it a banned substance or isn't it? If it's just something that we don't know what it is, does that make it wrong? Does that make it bad? I don't like the idea that all of this got out before Julian Edelman has a chance to be exonerated because he's going to be stigmatized if he does get exonerated because people are going to look at the end result and say, oh, it's a technicality. He's still a cheater. The Impact 99, who finishes with more passing touchdowns and yards, Breeze or Brady? I think Drew Breeze. I think Drew Breeze. Gut feeling, Drew Breeze. Drew Breeze is going to have the all-time yardage record not too long into the season. I think Breeze can end up playing at a later age than Tom Brady. I mean, you're not hearing any talk whatsoever about Drew Breeze retiring. It never comes up. There's no pressure from his wife. She's not going on TV talking about Drew's secret concussions. I think Drew plays as long as he wants to play. And I think that a lot of teams out there that were looking to upgrade a quarterback this year should have tried harder to get him and should have ponied up the money to get him because the guy's incredible. Adrian Peterson recently talked about the work ethic and how he thought there was no one who had a better work ethic than him until we came across Drew Brees. The Impact 99, why would Deion Sanders try to defend Des Bryant to get him back in Dallas? Did Des put him up to it? The faster Des moves on from it, the better it will go for him. I think it was just Deion riffing. And Deion looks at the situation and says, hey, look, Jason Witten's retired. Terrence Williams Dion referred to him as a knucklehead. He got in trouble. Just admit you made a mistake cutting Des Bryant and bring him back. I just think the Cowboys have decided from a football perspective it's time to move on. And I think they don't want Des there if Des has a stick up his ass about getting less money or getting cut and being brought back. I think their assessment is that Des is hard enough to handle when he's quote unquote happy. If he's pissed off on top of it, you got a problem. And I don't know why... Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones tiptoe around Des Bryant. When you've got guys like Sanjay Lyle and Will McClay flat out saying he can't get separation, he can't get open down the field, he's not the guy he used to be, why are Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones tiptoeing around him? And it just makes me wonder, are they just being courteous or is there something more that they're concerned about? Do they not want to really piss him off? Is there something he knows where he could cause a lot of damage for them, especially if his career's over anyway. And he feels like one of the reasons his career's over is because people like McClay and Lyle shit on him publicly, and nobody wanted to give him a chance. 
The Real Forno, New Japan Pro Wrestling is entering the U.S. market by adding lots of talent from the U.S. Can you see the NFL adding roster spots for players outside the U.S. to expand more into those markets? I think that's a long way down the road. I think first you have to have viable football programs in these other countries that produce NFL caliber talent. Look at the NBA. How many players from other countries end up playing in the NBA? When have we had a viable star player from another country? A, that has the, there was not not somebody who grew up in another country and play, and came and played in college football. A guy who was developed playing football in another country and got to the point where he was ready to play in the NFL without playing major college football. Remember Bjorn Werner? He started playing high school football in Germany, but was it in Germany or no? Wait, he played. I think he played some in Germany. Ended up in the U.S. Ended up at Florida State. Never did anything in the NFL. Andrew Yeh, if you were in charge of the selection process for Hall of Fame players, how would you change it? You know, that's a good question, which means I'm trying to buy time and hope that an answer will come to me, and it didn't. I I would take a lot of time and think about it because it's a very difficult process. And regardless of who's making the decisions, I would come up with a different way to determine how we compare players because it's not apples and oranges with all of these different sizes and shapes and styles of players. It's apple, orange, rutabaga, car battery, old shoe. There's too many different things being put into the same vat. And I think it makes it very difficult to parse out who was a better offensive lineman or quarterback. Who's better between the two. So it would not be an easy process. And I think that the current process for all its warts is probably better than anything anyone else could come up with. And here's the other problem too. They don't want to change the process because of all the players who have gotten in under the old standard. If you start changing the standard, that's one of the arguments against considering off-field issues. If you're going to start barring guys based upon off-field misconduct, what about all the guys who got in who did shitty things in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc.? So it's not easy. And people like to complain. And the one thing that I say, if you're complaining about somebody who didn't get in, identify somebody who did get in. Who shouldn't get in. Now, with T.O. the first time around, my argument was, hey, look, he was better than Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison got in because Marvin Harrison waited longer. That's it. And there's this loose waiting process that applies. And it's this pecking order that's driven by how long you're in the queue before you get in. But for a lot of these guys, when you say, well, he should have gotten in, then you have to identify somebody who did get in and say, this guy shouldn't have gotten in. With T.O., it was easy. With some of the others, it's more difficult. The C.J. Newman, do you foresee negotiations for the CBA happening anytime soon? NFL is a deadline-driven sport, and I don't really see anything happening until the deadline comes. We're only a couple of years away from it, right? What, three years? Three seasons? 2011 was year one. Yeah, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. We're three seasons away, 18, 19, and 20. Brady asks which owners stand to lose the most credibility, respect, money, etc. from the fallout of confirmed collusion regarding Colin Kaepernick. Is it Kraft slash Mara? I, I, I don't I don't know. I it depends upon 
I think the testimony depends upon the ultimate findings, right? When there's a written decision from the arbitrator, who gets the, the blame? Where's the evidence of collusion? Who do they point to when they weave together a tapestry of facts to come to that finding that collusion happened? And first, we got to have a finding collusion happened. But I think a lot of it depends upon that final ruling. It'll be like a report. It'll be like the Ted Wells report in Deflategate. You pour over it and you figure out who's to blame for what. So I think that'll be the key. Fittison Kane, does the Edelman development of his banned substance being unidentified hurt or help his case to get his suspension reduced or eliminated? I don't think it hurts or helps until we know what the substance is. I'm going to study the policy and see what actually applies here. The impression that's been created is if they determine it's something that isn't banned, he's okay. If they determine it's something that is banned, it's not okay. If that's ultimately inconclusive, which way does the pendulum go? I think that's the key. If it's something that they just can't, that modern science can't identify, will they assume that it's some sort of a PED or masking agent that they've yet to formally acknowledge? Recliner QB, how likely is it that Gronk slash his team leaked the fake news about his trade to annoy Bill? We know that Bill hates media, created distractions, so maybe all this turmoil being reported is Gronk slash TB12 getting the only kind of payback they can. I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, just based on what I know, based upon some of the communications I've had, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. And I, I don't know where the fake news came from. I think, you know, people want to get their name out there and people want to be tied to a story and people want to pick up Twitter followers and whatnot. But but I, I don't think that this is Gronkowski's people trying to to uh, stir up trouble. Andrew, yay, what's your family's strategy for housebreaking the puppy? Any training tips? My wife's the one who's really taking the lead here. I just do what she tells me to do, which is generally, I'd say, good advice. I'm coming up on year 24 of not being forcefully ejected from the house, which if you know me at all is an amazing accomplishment because I am kind of a smart ass. I mean, it took me about eight or nine years of life to learn the connection between being a smart ass and getting whipped because back in the seventies, you got whipped if you were a smart ass. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what? And I would do the, the calculation. I would run the numbers in my head. I would do the cost-benefit analysis. I'd have the flow chart. I was too young to even know what a flow chart was, but I had one. Is it worth it to take the whipping to use this line? I really want to use this line, and I know I'm going to get in trouble, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. And then usually I'd decide it probably wasn't worth it, but in that moment, it was worth it. The moment before I got whipped, it was worth it. And my mom had a collection of disciplinary devices. She had a paddle, but she would use the wooden spoon. She would use the piece of the, what do they call it? Not the crown molding. The crown molding's up. What is it? Is it the crown? What is it? What's the stuff? The, you know, the, 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 the wood that goes around the, the, oh God, help me out here. Stats? You know, the piece of wood that they put at the bottom of the wall by the carpet or by the floor. She had like extra that was left over. There was a switch the tree outside, take the switch off. But that was how society dealt with smart-ass kids in the 70s, right? It was accepted. They had all gotten spanked growing up, so 
you spank a kid to correct a kid. Now you can't. And I think now that we're into this generation having kids, it's not a problem because we're dealing with a generation of kids that grew up without corporal punishment. The hard part was for me, like, what do I do when my kid won't listen? The time out? What do you do? It was hard. I don't know what to do. And like with the dog, like I'm, I've seen people in the past who like, you know, whack their dog if it pees in the house. Well, we're not going to whack the dog. So with the dog, I'm just on the lookout and I try to be sensitive to when I think the dog has to piss. And I get the dog outside before the dog pisses in the house. And it's just a matter of like, it's been an hour or she's been in her crate or she's snuffling around. And it's like, let's go, let's go. And I'm hoping it reinforces that the only time she should squat is when she's, you know, paws deep in grass. So the one good thing, the dog has not pooped in the house. We've had the dog here for five days and there has been no poop in the house that I know of. I have a feeling I'd smell it, but I've yet to see it. I've yet to smell it. I've yet to witness it in the act. And we keep on top of her. I mean, there's always somebody kind of around. I've worked a lot down in our basement on my laptop. So I can just kind of be, that's where I got to go. I got to wrap this up and get down there. But I think that, that, uh, you just kind of develop a feel and you get a sense for when the dog's going to go and you just hope repetition, repetition, repetition fixes it. Let me answer a couple more before we wrap it up. Dirtbag1327, better West Virginia delicacy, apple butter or apple pie moonshine? I've never had apple butter or apple pie moonshine. Ramps are a delicacy. We were at a restaurant in wine country and one of the dishes had West Virginia ramps in with it. I've never had ramps either. Think about ramps. They say if you eat them, you end up smelling like them. That doesn't sound very appetizing to me. Toddster 1224. NBA makes money by having small sponsor logos on jerseys. Why doesn't the NFL do the same as a way to replace some in-game TV advertising or knowing the NFL put ads on jerseys but keep TV ads the same? Yeah, they, they, they're they looking for more places to cram pizza into the crust. They're, they're going to get their money. They're looking for more money, not the same. I, I think that the NFL probably wishes they'd had ads on the uniforms from day one. That's one thing NASCAR got right from the start. Just put ads all over the place and everybody's used to it. You know, there is an ad on the jersey now. It's the Nike logo. And the 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 uh, NBA logo, like the Goodyear on the Cavaliers jersey, I mean, that's not, that's not that bad. But I think the NFL eventually will cross that bridge. But for now, they've decided not to. And I remember thinking that the green spot I remember that, you know, the green dot that's on the back of the helmet. I, I remember one year they had a green, that same green, when they were celebrating football Americano. And it was a bigger green emblem. And I remember thinking that they were toying with basically using that as a green screen and project, uh, projecting logos, you know, when they do a shot of the guy on the field, like you could put the corporate logo onto the back of the helmet. So you would see the Pepsi logo or the Nike logo or the whatever logo in that green spot on the back of the helmet. But that nothing, nothing's ever happened with that. What else do we have here? I, again, I need to go. Pastor Mark Worth, Reverend Mark Worth, is it a big deal that Matt Patricia is making guys run or is this just a writer trying to get readers? I think the whole thing was stupid. And I, and I think that what Carlos Monterez, the Detroit Free Press needed to say is, look, if you're, if you're too much of a hard ass with these guys and you don't win, you got a problem. You can't act like Bill Belichick and not win. If you win, you're okay. If you don't win, you got a problem. Sean Alvishire, have you ever called anyone or anything Mountain Mama? 
Not while sober, while drunk, I don't know. Faisal, what was the biggest surprise winner in the Super Bowl? I would say that I would say that either the Packers in 2010, no, it's got to be the Giants in 2007. I'm thinking of teams that were low seeds. The Steelers in 05 were a 6 seed. The Giants in 07 were a 5 seed. And I remember at one point during that year, Eli Manning had like three pick sixes in a home game against the Vikings. And people were talking the next day about, are the Giants going to move on from Eli? And for them to go and win the Super Bowl that year when the Patriots were the team they had to beat, I think that was the most unlikely Super Bowl winner. Paul PJ5, my thoughts on IHOB, International House of Burgers, the temporary name. I'll tell you what, whatever they paid, the marketing agency that came up with this thing, they didn't pay enough because it worked because everybody's talking about it. I mean, on the, the, the trending stack on Twitter, IHOP, IHOP, International House, they're all there. I mean, it was all everybody was talking about. Even though it's hokey, stupid BS, people are talking about it. And maybe more people will go there. I don't think you do something like this unless you're feeling the pinch. And I think maybe they're feeling the pinch. So I don't know that this is going to sustain IHOP or IHOP or whatever it is. I have a feeling there. They could be a casualty of the proliferation of casual dining in different places where people eat. All right. What else do we have here? Again, I need to go, but I'm rolling down here and I'm seeing what if there's one. Let me let me find one. Good, can we get Jerry Jones on the show? Asks the CJ Newman. I'd love to have Jerry Jones on the show. We had Jerry Jones with no advance notice at an ownership meeting three or four years ago. And we did like 20 minutes with him and he was excellent. I'd love to get him on for like an hour. Maybe we'll try that. But, but they, they, I, I, I don't I don't I doubt that that's going to happen. But we'll try. And Stephen Jones, we've had him before. Extended conversations. I want to do more of the extended conversations. And it needs to be somebody that I already kind of know a little bit. I think it's hard to just talk for an hour with somebody I don't really know. But I'm looking for more suggestions from you. And I appreciate the suggestions you've made. Again, we're going to have Paul Allen tomorrow. We'll try to get Amy Trask scheduled later this week. And we'll work on getting some more. And uh, i got to go take care of the puppy. Um... Appreciate your time. As always, we'll be on the air tomorrow morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I think we have Mitchell Trubisky on Wednesday, which uh, which should be interesting. We're trying to get some more of these guys during mandatory minicamps. We're trying to get Patrick Mahomes as well. And you know how I feel about Patrick Mahomes. All in with Patrick Mahomes. So I uh, hope to get him on sooner than later. And uh, we'll keep moving forward. We have our hiatus coming up in a couple of weeks from the morning show but I'll keep doing the afternoon podcast just because I like it and it's really not all that difficult and it's fun and it's therapeutic and all that other shit. So have a great day and we'll talk again tomorrow. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. 
but there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.